Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. The book of Colossians was actually one of, a guy by the name of Paul. You might have heard of him. It was one of the letters that he wrote when he was in prison. It's called his prison letters. And so it, this is, it, just knowing that background kind of gives you a bit of context because what he talks about in this book, you sure don't hear a victim talking in this letter. You don't hear somebody, oh, woe is me, my life sucks, it's so terrible, this isn't just, this isn't right. I should, I should clarify, Paul was in prison unjustly. He was in prison because he was proclaiming a message that Jesus had come to earth, God's son, Jesus was the new Lord, in other words, the new Caesar. He was ruling. And if you're a Roman Caesar, that is like the death sentence. You do not make that claim that there is another Lord other than Caesar. And that's why he was in prison. He was in prison because he was preaching. And so he wrote some letters, and he wrote this particular one to a city called Colossae, which was in Turkey. If you know anything about your Eastern European, it's over in what's modern-day Turkey. And this city was a really unique city. It, it was one, what was unique about the book of Colossians was Paul had never visited this group of people. So in a lot of ways, you could kind of just insert your name in this because Paul knew, you know, he didn't know this church any better than what he knows you and I today. But it still very much applies to us today because what was going on in the city of Colossians at this time is the church was starting to get distracted with all sorts of crazy weird stuff. So we'll jump into that in a little bit, but you know, last week, JD's message, Just Jesus, maybe you were watching online or maybe you were here and you tuned in for that. Such a good message. And you know, there was a quote that he, he used in the message, and I just love this. It said the message, just by a, a, a writer by the name of Warren Wearsby, he said the message of Colossians is greatly needed today. Too many voices are telling me I need something more than Jesus. I need some exciting experience or some new doctrine, some addition to my Christian experience. But Paul, he affirms that what I need most or what we need most is to take possession of what we already have in Jesus. And you know, maybe, maybe your experience with church or religion or faith isn't really, hasn't really, has been maybe everything but Jesus. <laughs> it's been everything except Jesus. And see, I'm of the opinion that when you really encounter Jesus, you can't walk away. Now, you might encounter something that somebody says, well, this is what Jesus is like, and you're like, I don't like that, you know? Or maybe you had encountered religion, or maybe you encountered church. There may be a lot of things that we can encounter that can maybe be misunderstood or mistaken for, oh, this is Jesus, and this is who Jesus is. But, man, when you encounter Jesus as he really is, you don't walk away from somebody like that very easily. 
And so this is what we're going to look at. What, what do we already have in Jesus? What is Jesus already? Everyone say already. What has he already done for you and you might not even know about it? How many of you ever have, you know, there was a, you, you, you got a, there's a gift that maybe you didn't even know about and you're like, oh, it's been sitting here. A lot of times this happens at our house because we don't check the mail very often. <laughs> You know, and a lot of times it's like, oh, this thing that I was waiting for, this gift, it was sitting in the mailbox for weeks. I didn't even know it was there. You know, there's so much that Jesus has done for us. And you might not be aware of what you already have in Jesus. Before you do anything for God, there is so much that is already yours in Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. And, you know, so, so when it comes to the distractions that were going on in the church of, of Colossae at the time. Now, that the, the city was known for a, a city that was, it had a lot of different gods that it worshipped. They worshipped Artemis, they worshipped Isis, they worshipped a whole bunch of other gods you never learned about in your Roman and Greek mythology in school. There's a whole bunch of weird names. And when it comes to us, we actually are like the Colossians. Now, you might not worship Artemis, you might not worship Zeus, you might not worship Isis. But there might be some things that we worship without realizing it. Do you know how you can find out what it is you're worshiping? Well, what is that one thing that if it were taken from you, you wouldn't want to go on living anymore? You just discovered the focal point of your worship. See, whatever we depend on to make life worth living, maybe it's something to give us acceptance or something that we're looking for, a, a particular, uh, to bring significance to our life or something we're looking to give us purpose, something we're looking to give us meaning in life or something that we're, you know, maybe to give us security in life. If there's anything else in that, any of those categories, other than Jesus, that's what we're actually worshiping. Those are our Jesus and idols. And that's what we're going to look at. So last week, G JD talked about just Jesus. Everyone say just Jesus. Just Jesus. Today we're going to talk about in Jesus. In Jesus. How can we actually live this just Jesus life? So what I'm going to do, we're going to read all of, not all of the book of Colossians. We're going to read Colossians chapter 2. And we're gonna, so if you've never read the Bible before, after today, you're going to be able to say, I actually read something in the Bible. Because we're going to read. I'm not going to make you read it out loud because that would be, you'd get tired of that. But I'm going to read it. And it's a chapter. And you can do this. Everyone say, I can do this. Colossians 2. This is Paul. He's writing. He jumps right in. This battle I'm facing is huge. And I want you to know that I do it for you, for all those at Laodicea, which was a city in the region. And I do it for everyone else, even those who've never seen my face. I'm working hard to comfort and encourage them so that they will be knit together, that many hearts would become one through his love. I do it so that they'll be rich in understanding and have full knowledge of God's mystery, which is the anointed one himself. In him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. Man, you need wisdom in life? Where do you go? 
you go to Jesus. I can only tell you this to warn you about those who would try and deceive you with their arguments. They seem plausible enough, but in the end, they're false. Even though I cannot be there in the body, my spirit is with you, and I'm happy to know of your good order and your solid commitment to the anointed one, our liberating king. Now you read that and go, I don't understand what he's talking about. He's just kind of warming up. He's getting into some of the meat, and this is what we get. He says, now that you have welcomed the anointed one, Jesus the Lord, into your lives, continue to journey with him and allow him to shape your lives. Let your roots grow down deeply in him and let him build you up on a firm foundation. Be strong in your faith, just as you were taught, and always spill over with thankfulness. Make sure no predator makes you his prey through some misleading philosophy or empty deception based on traditions fabricated by mere mortals. These are sourced in the elementary principles originating in this world and not in the anointed one, not in Jesus. So don't let their talks capture you. You see, all that is God and all his fullness resides in his body. You too are being completed in him. Everyone say in him. The one who has dominion over all rule, all authority. In him, that's another catchphrase again. In him, you were also circumcised, set apart by the spiritual act performed without hands. Now before you think, what are we talking about? I will come back and we're going to unpack this specifically. The anointed one's circumcision cut you off from sinfulness of your flesh. You were buried with him beneath the waters of the ceremonial washing called baptism, and then we're raised up with him by faith in the resurrection power of God who brought him back from the dead. And when your flesh that was still uncircumcised, dead in transgressions and swathed in its sinful nature, it was God who brought us to life with him. For he forgave all our sins and eliminated the massive debt we incurred by the law that stood against us. He took it all away. He nailed it to the cross. But that's not all. He disarmed those who once ruled over us, those who had overpowered us. Like captives of war, he put them on display to the world to show his victory over them by means of the cross. So don't let anyone stand in judgment over you or dictate what you should eat or drink or what festivals you should celebrate or how you should observe a new moon or Sabbath days. All these are only a shadow of what will come. The reality, the core, is found in the anointed one. Don't be cheated out of the prize by others who are peddling the worship of heavenly beings in false humility. People like this run about telling whoever will listen what they claim to have seen, but in reality, they testify only to an inflated mind. They're saturated in conceit, not in the spirit. They are detached from the very head that nourishes and connects the whole body with all of its nerves and ligaments, a body that grows by the kind of growth that can only come from God. Listen, if you have died with the anointed one to the elemental spirits of the cosmos, then why are you submitting yourselves to its rules as if you'd still belong to this world? You hear, don't handle this, don't taste that, don't even touch that, but everything they are obsessed about will eventually decay. These rules are just human commands and teachings. Here's what they're promoting, fabricated religion, self-humiliation, and bodily abuse. No matter which way they try to tether their bodies, they cannot harness their desires. Now, that's intense. 
And there's a lot in there that you're like, I have no idea how to even connect this to my life. So we're going to jump in. I'm going to show you. Let's go back. Right at the beginning. I love this. Paul, he's talking right at the beginning. This battle I'm in is huge. And he's talking about just how intense. And why is he writing? He's writing to the church in Colossae. And the reason he's writing is because he's wanting to make sure they're not getting running off and getting all distracted with a whole bunch of ideas that were around them in the culture. And he makes this interesting phrase, and this is what, it's really cool, it's two words, but there's a lot in these two words. He said, I'm working hard to comfort and encourage them so that they will be knit together. Everyone say knit together. Knit together, that's an interesting word, and the picture, one, one version, one translation translates it like this. It says, I pray that you would be knit together in a tapestry of love. Now, if you've ever seen, how many of you have seen a tapestry? I'm talking about maybe needlepoint, grandma's embroidery that was in that cute little, you know, God bless this home or whatever, you know, at the entryway to the house or whatever it is. But a tapestry is something that's woven. Maybe it's a needlepoint if you've seen that. But if you've ever seen, I remember as, as, when I tried to learn needlepoint, I mean, you tried to do that. Oh man, what a labor of torment it was. You're trying so hard to do these stitches. And I remember, I remember the first time doing, you have your little hoop and you know, you get thread and you're, you're stitching very carefully and you're trying to follow the pattern and you're trying to follow it. And you know, you get a lot done and then you flip it over on the other side and you're horrified because on the flip side of the tapestry, it's just a mess. It looks nothing like the image. It looks nothing like the picture, the pattern you're supposed to be following. But you know what Paul talks about, I pray that you be knit together in this tapestry of love. And I think that, I think it's an interesting description for the kind of love that God is inviting us into in following Jesus. See, this relationship that God invites us into, not only with himself, but with all of us, with each other, everyone in this room, with his body, it's a relationship that's kind of like a tapestry. It's we're knit together, whether you know that person you're sitting beside or not. There's something, we're in this room around a common person named Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you came for another reason. Maybe you came because you didn't have anywhere else to go. You came because somebody said, come, for come to church, I'll take you for lunch. You came for a baptism or whatever it is. But we're here. The majority in this room, we're gathered together because of a person named Jesus Christ. And see, we're knit together in him, but we're also knit together with each other. You cannot follow Jesus, just Jesus by himself. We need each other. If you were here last week, J.D. talked about decapitated Jesus. This is how a lot of people, they want to be. Well, I like Jesus. I don't have any problem with Jesus, the head of his church, the head of his body. I just don't like all these people. They bug me. <laughs> and that's the same as walking around with the decapitated Jesus. I just like your head, Jesus. You're wonderful. Forget about your body. <laughs> but we're knit together. But the thing about relationships and the thing about love, it's got a messy side to us. And you know, if you think about even how a tapestry, oops, sorry, am I still good back there? Did I knock it? Am I good, Chandler? Give me a good, yes, thank you, sound man. There's something about the front side of a tapestry can look beautiful, it's very intentional, but it's actually the flip side where all of the knots and everything is tied. That's what anchors the beautiful side to stay together. 
If you don't have the mess and the knots, the front side that looks beautiful will eventually fall apart. All it takes is one person to come along and just go flick and the whole thing can get dismantled. I have done that, trust me. But you know what, this is the kind of love that God invites us into. It's this messy knitting together and it's beautiful on one side, on the other side, it is a mess, it is a, it's knots and it looks like a jumble of chaos. But you know what, we need those knots, we need the mess. And when you go through mess with people, man, that's what keeps you together. That's what anchors you in a way. This is what keeps you anchored in families when you go through messes together. This is what keeps you anchored in friendships is when you go through messes together. And a lot of us, we feel disconnected in life. We feel like we got no roots. We feel like, you know, maybe our family or our marriage or the relationships, our life, we feel like we're not really connected. I think it would do well, we would do well to ask ourselves, do I leave every time there's a mess? Because if we avoid the mess, we're avoiding the very things that keep us knit together and anchored together. Everyone see, I need the mess. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm okay with your mess. <laughs> Oh, and some people are ah, not going to say that. When we, get, when we don't avoid the mess, we get knit together to each other, but also to God in a whole new way. Oh, I love this. In, in Paul, he goes on, I do it so they will be rich in understanding and have full knowledge of God's mystery, which is the anointed one himself. In him, in Jesus. Say that again, in Jesus. In Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We're going to jump down. Verse 6, he says, Now that you've welcomed the anointed one, Jesus, into your lives, continue your journey with him. Everybody would say, with him. With him and allow him to shape your lives. You know, this is where you've been in church or grown up in church, sometimes there's been this maybe a misunderstanding or a miscommunication about what it means to follow Jesus. And, you know, maybe your experience might have been that you got you to gotta follow these rules. You got to do this. You got to do that. And you got to do this. And you got to try to be this good person. And while, yes, there are rules, there's, there's, there's ways of following Jesus. Rules can't change you. There's only one person that can actually change you. And his name is Jesus. See, God is the one that created us in his image. He's the only one that can reshape us back into the image we're supposed to be. But we do have a role. Everyone say, I have a part. I have a part. I have to save you to say that so I can take a drink. Allow him to shape your lives. See, our role is to cooperate with what God is trying to do. What God is wanting to do in shaping and reshaping and reforming us. We cooperate. And, and so how do we cooperate? Well, this is where things like spiritual practices come in. And if you're not familiar with spiritual practices, you are doing one right now. It's called gathering together in community. You were also doing another one earlier when we were singing. We were worshiping God. That is a spiritual practice. And, and, and worship is one of the ways that we can cooperate with what God is doing and cooperating. See, it's, it is bringing my mind into agreement with God's thoughts and who he is. So, for example, instead of me 
agreeing with the me, 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 me voice that goes on a lot in here. When I worship God and I'm putting him first, that's reshaping me so I'm less focused on me and I can better reflect who God is, how awesome and wonderful he is. See, when I pray, prayer is another spiritual practice. Prayer is about allowing, instead of having anxiety and worry and stress shape my soul and shape my thoughts and form me into this frantic, frazzled individual that makes everybody go nuts. Prayer is how I cooperate with the God of the universe who wants nothing but his absolute, the best for me. And prayer is a way that I allow him to reshape my soul instead of it being shaped by anxiety. I can now have my soul shaped with his presence. It's a way that I can be reshaped and instead of being shaped by pride and I got this and I can do this, I can make it happen. It allows me to be reshaped into a person who's humble and recognizing that there's a God who's got my life in his hands and he's doing a lot better job with it than what I ever could on my own. Right. See, when I take time to sit in silence and quiet, it's allowing, I am cooperating with the God of peace who's wanting to reshape my soul out of anxiety and into peace. And see, that's how we allow him to shape our lives. We don't just sit back and just say, oh God, if you want me, you gotta do it. I can never do this. No, we cooperate. Everyone says, I cooperate. I cooperate so he shapes my life. And the next part, let your roots go down deeply in him. Let him build you up on a firm foundation. Man, it's like our roots are going down. We gotta let them go down. What are you rooted in? What are you rooting yourself in? Are you rooting yourself in God's steadfastness, in his unshakability? You know, this is what Paul was encouraging the church into. It's like, let your roots go down deep in, in Jesus. You know, the world around us is so uncertain. It is so chaotic. We don't know if it's going to be mask season or not mask season. We don't know if it's going to be lockdowns again or not lockdown. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be the anchor of my life. I want to be anchored in Jesus. And baptism, people, you can be dismissed to go get ready for baptism. i got to hurry along here. What are you rooting yourself in? He goes down. I'm going to just, I'm going to jump down because I'm going to get to the part. Let's go down to verse 9. He says, you see, all that is in God. All his fullness resides in his body. You too are being completed in him, the one who has dominion over all rule and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised, set apart by a spiritual act performed without hands. The anointed one's circumcision cuts you off from the sinfulness of your flesh. Now, what is Paul talking about? He's actually talking about baptism, what's going to be taking place in a few minutes. He said, you were buried with him. Everyone say with him. You were buried with him beneath the waters of the ceremonial washing called baptism and then were raised up with him by faith in the resurrection power of God who brought him back 
from the dead. You were raised with him in baptism. Now I want to explain what baptism is. Do you know the word baptism? It is actually the word that is used in an ancient, we're talking like 200-something B.C., pickling recipe. It was a cooking term. No, the water is not boiling. We are not cooking you. <laughs> but this is what it is. There were words. There's this word baptizo. And it was in this, it was in, it was when you, what, there was a two-step process. You would take a vegetable, whether it was a cucumber or whatever, you would dip it in water, and then you would baptize it or baptizo it in the vinegar solution. The first dipping in the water, that didn't do anything. It just prepared it for the pickling that would completely transform the vegetable. It turns into, it's no longer a cucumber, it is now a pickle. It's a completely different food. And you know, this is what Paul, it's, this, it's, this, it's the baptizing, it's the pickling part, it's the baptismal part. That's the part that completely changes you. You are a completely different person. And you know, this is what Jesus was talking about. He said, if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. See, what Jesus was saying, it's not just mental assent to say, I believe in God. Even the demons believe in God. But it's this second part, this baptizing, we need to be completely transformed. It's this baptism. So what happens in that tank is what we were singing early. See, our problem isn't that we need Jesus to help us be better people. We're actually dead and we need a spiritual resurrection. This is what Paul was talking about in verse 13. When your flesh was still uncircumcised, dead in transgression, and in its sinful nature, it was God who brought us to life with him and forgave all our sins. It was God who brought us to life and forgave all our sins. He eliminated the massive debt we incurred by the law that stood against us. He took it all away and nailed it to the cross. See, our problem as human beings isn't that we're bad people. The problem is we're dead. You are sitting next to a zombie, quite potentially. <laughs> We need a resurrection. And this is what Paul was reminding the church at Colossians. He's like, guys, there's all these ideas, there's all these ideologies, everything out there is telling you you need Jesus and, you need Jesus and this, and Jesus and that, and Jesus and this experience, and Jesus and that. And he's saying, no, Jesus has already set you free. It was God who brought us to life with him and forgave all our sins and eliminated the massive debt we incurred by the law that stood against us. Do you know what? Here's the good news. That before you ask for forgiveness, Jesus already forgave you at the cross. And see, this is what happens. This is what I'm going to try. My husband would be horrified because I'm going to use, is that the short one? That's the short one. I'm going to use a hammer. I'm going to try to hammer a screw in because we don't have nails in the back. We need nails in our tool chest. But look at this. Let me read this again. I got a hammer. It's pretty powerful. 
It was God who brought us to life with him. He forgave all our sins. That is a past tense word. He forgave all our sins and eliminated the massive debt we incurred by the law that stood against us. He took it all away. He nailed it to the cross. Let's see if I can get this going. Oops. That should be good enough. I don't know what your list of sins looks like, but mine's pretty long. Probably all of these at some point in my life. Worrying, bullying, greed, gluttony, complaining, cowardice, abandonment, rejection, corruption, fear, jealousy, rage, envy. What does your list look like? Ah, let's do it from the top. <laughs> Put the hammer down. Look at this. All of it nailed to the cross. All of it nailed to the cross. Man, we got to get this into it. All of it nailed to the cross. He eliminated the massive debt we incurred. He took it all away and he nailed it to the cross. But that's not all. He disarmed those who once ruled over us. Those who had overpowered us like captives of war. He put them on display to the world to show his victory over them by means of the cross. This is why this is so powerful. It's because whenever fear comes to try to torment you, if you have gone into that tank and you have been resurrected into a new life, you can say fear, you have been overpowered by the power of Jesus Christ. You have no right to control me. Those who had overpowered us, addiction, rage, jealousy, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, you that overpowered me, you have no right to overpower me any longer. Like captives of war, he put them on display to the world to show his victory over them by means of the cross. See, it was at the cross where Jesus would die. And see, this is a good news. We don't have to be crucified. But the way we get the benefits of this is we have to acknowledge I'm dead. And if you can't see on the camera, whatever you're called back there, <laughs> I'm pointing to a baptism tank. <laughs> That's what I'm pointing to. I have to, in order to get the benefits of all that Jesus has already given to me, all that he's already done for me, all that he's already made possible, complete forgiveness, complete cancellation of a debt I could never pay. See, when I've wronged someone with my rage or my jealousy or my rejection or my abuse or my snubbing or my hypocrisy, when I've wronged someone with my carelessness and my selfishness, that's a debt. And I can't pay that back. And we all have our debt that we can't pay back. That's why we need just Jesus. 
And it's only in Jesus that I get to experience the benefit of being able to point to the cross and say that was nailed to the cross. That's not who I am. I went into the waters of baptism. I was buried there. And when I came out, I have been resurrected into a brand new life where these things no longer have the right to rule me. Yes, I take responsibility. But they do not define who I am. And see, the picture of this is so powerful. Like captives of war, he put them on display to the world to show his triumph over that word triumph is a very unique word. It's a Roman military word. And it worked like this. When the Romans would go into a, con a country that they conquered, they would take the leaders, they would take the king, they would take the upper echelon of the, 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 the elders of the, the community or the city, the, even some of the, the generals of the army, anyone that, they would, that had been ruling in that city that had power they would take them they would strip them naked they would chain them together and they would march them through the street to humiliate them as a way to showing how much power the Romans had over them we're the conquerors you're stripped you're shamed you're naked you have no power anymore that is the picture Paul is using when it comes to all of this fear you are marched naked you've been humiliated you have no power I am resurrected in Jesus if I am in him this is what I can claim for my life it was nailed at the cross he went into the grave it stayed there he rose again in power and now this is the reality of my life I love how the message it says he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets isn't that powerful I want to invite you to stand there is a reality of where your life and the question is today are you living in it are you living in an alternate reality that is so far less than the life in Jesus that is available to you? I want us to pray. I want everyone to close your eyes. And I want us to, I want you to get a picture. What is it that you need to, that you need to remind yourself? If you are a Jesus follower and you've been baptized, you have a new creation reality that your life is a part of. What do you need to get a clear picture of is nailed to that cross? What has been trying to overpower you? What has been trying to hold you captive? What memory is trying to keep you limited and, and keep you chained and keep you filled with anger and bitterness and resentment? What do you need to envision at the cross in a fresh way? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've given mental assent, but you haven't really taken the step to say, I'm identifying with Christ and I'm being, I want to, I want to live in this new creation life. You know what? You can get baptized today. In fact, that's actually the sign of following Jesus is getting baptized. <laughs> that's the way it works. I'm dying and I'm allowing myself to be risen again. And we have everything you need to get baptized. We have extra clothes for you. We have stuff to clean you up afterwards if you're worried about presentation. And you can actually go out and get ready quick as soon as we're done this prayer. But can we pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, I am so thankful for you, for the life you gave. You paid my debt. 
I thank you that at the cross, my debt was wiped out. I am forgiven in you, and I receive this gift, salvation, forgiveness, a brand new start. And I thank you for a new life starting now. In your name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.